you chose inadvertently to adopt the black brand. Mm. I didn't, because it's a brand. Yeah. But you can have African and black at the same time. Yeah, of course you can. And, and I could be Blue and I could be Linton Kwesi Johnson or anybody else, but I'm not, I'm Dino Kai Senior. Join me and my amazing guests every week as we discuss everything from life lessons, careers, entrepreneurship, mental health, and so much more. To join the movement, be part of the community, and let's make it part of the culture to bring others along. Welcome, sir. Thank you for, for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. So this is, this is going to be an interesting conversation for a few different reasons. One, I had the pleasure and, and obviously thank you again for, for gracing us um, in our documentary, My Guy Otis. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's, my, that's my guy right there. And obviously he made this happen in terms of the connection and um, spoke very highly yourself. So I wanted to take it a bit further in terms of what I got a chance to witness and got a chance yeah. to hear you speak about, but also try to get a bit more of the journey yeah. that led you to, you know, the man you are today, yeah. where you are today. And that's what the show is about, bring others along. You know, we tackle a plethora of different topics and different areas, and it's all about the journey which has led people to achieve what they've achieved. Mm -hmm. And the audience can, you know, take from that what they will and hopefully apply some learnings and, you know, go on and, and uh, hopefully, you know, benefit yeah. them as well. So I appreciate you being on the show, man. No, thank, thank you. you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. So just on that, because... The last couple of weeks, um, or at least the last couple of guests, I should say, I found an interesting pattern. Funny enough, they were family, yeah. um, nephew and uncle. But they mentioned something that was very, what I think is quite unique when very early on in their lives, they kind of knew exactly they what they wanted to purpose. do. Very Absolutely. early on. You yeah. know, we had Dr. Alex on. Dr. Alex McCurdy, shouts out to Dr. Alex, uh, five years old, he witnessed um, a doctor, you know, pretty much saving his mom's life. Mm -hmm. And he saw that as a superhero figure and that inspired him to just basically, now he's an ER doctor, very successful. Yep. And the same with his uncle, you know, who's in the media space as well. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the first black, well, not one, the first black fight director in the UK, um, Kevin uh, McCurdy as well. So I wanted to find out from yourself, if early on, did you have an inkling of, you know, kind of how this chapter in your present life is playing out, Absolutely. if that was always, you know, there? Absolutely. Uh, the, the advocate aspect mm. was always going to be a component of my life. Very early on, I wanted to direct films. Mm. Um, and that was my entire journey up to 17 until young ladies <laughs> and my friends on the road. Distractions. <laughs> distracted myself because mm. I distracted myself mm. I was the only person that was involved across the common thread of all the guys I was with and the young ladies I was with Good. so what I do find at that time even though I was distracted I did everything at the right time of life mm. you hear about guys when they're my age mm. and they're having that midlife crisis mm. because of what they missed out on when I was supposed to have known young ladies and been a scumbag <laughs> I was a scumbag and I learned the Kama Sutra. I have no more sexual fantasies. <laughs> I have no more chasing of excitement mm. in any area of my life. Mm. So at this part, it's enjoyment. Mm. So when I would drink very quickly, yeah. I drink slowly and I appreciate mm. my alcohol. Yeah. And with everything that I do in life, it's here. So I know that all of the hurdles that mm. I overcame 
to get to this part prepared me for this role mm. at this particular floor that I'm operating at. And that what I require next, I will have to gain from someone who's either been in the rooms mm. that I haven't, or I'm going to have to go in those rooms and fumble to operate at the next level that I mm. desire to operate at. Yeah. No, I love that. And, you know, like I said, I've had the pleasure of, you know, kind of hearing a lot of the talks, obviously, whether it's on social or even through our guy Otis, and yeah. he's kind of given me, you know, a bit of a uh, a snippet of, you know, what you've done and your potential. And I, I was just in awe. I was like, no, we, we need we need a long form conversation. We, yeah. need, we need Dean to kind of school us. And, you know, hopefully the audience can, you know, get some value from this. Yeah. So I do want to take it back in terms of when you were, you know, I guess a much younger lad and running around the streets of London and kind of mm -hmm. coming up, trying to find your way. Were there, I know we, we spoke about the, the distractions, but from a, a household perspective, so that dynamic, what was it like, you know, from those early ages, seeing whether it's mom, dad, uncle, yeah. those early influences from a family perspective, what was that like? My parents got married at 18. Like a lot of couples, you see, now it sounds unusual, mm. but in that time, it wasn't. Mm. Um, African and Caribbeans, pregnant, they got married. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and like any young couples, lots of fire, mm. lots of passion. <laughs> um, I became quite numb to that mm. by a particular age. So people shouting in front of yeah. it was just white nuts. Mm, yeah. Um and that again is something that would serve me mm. as I would see guys doing it in my face. I think you're just a poodle barking yeah. for no reason. <laughs> um but there was lots of love in the house mm. and we knew we were loved. We lived in a time where we were much more creative thinkers out of necessity mm. because we didn't have TVs in our bedrooms. Computers were just out. Yeah. Um I think we got an auric atmos from my aunt that I can wow. probably count the times it worked on two <laughs> hands. Um, <laughs> unlike my wealthier classmates who had um, ZX Spectrums that would work 70% of the time when you'd run the tape for the game. Yeah. Uh, but it's very close to my brother, mm. who's um, just under two years younger than me. And then my younger sister, who's five years younger than me, I was very protective of. Yeah. However, neither of them ever had a fight at any time of their school in history. Wow. And I had one or two. So <laughs> I'm the oldest. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's interesting because I always try to, and one of the things I think that you can, um, you can relate to is the storytelling aspect, being in the space and kind of having that experience. You know, I like to see how the journey charts for people who I, you know, holding high revere, I actually, you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm in awe of what they do because it, as my, one of my guys would always say, you know, success leaves clues. It's always a blueprint. So when you can try to understand what molds a man, what, you know, kind of helps that person kind of develop to, you know, who they are now yeah. and achieving their potential, they're definitely clues that you could, uh, you can see. So can you remember some of your earliest, I guess, influences in terms Abs of the people? Absolutely. Um, in, in terms of film, I was just really curious about filmmakers. Mm. And that again was about storytelling and yeah. me wanting to tell stories. I got a Super 8 camera when I think I was nine, 
and I was making stop go animation for 10 pound secondhand Super 8 camera. Mm -hmm. I was making stop go animation films with He-Man um, and Star Wars figures. Back in the day. Um, back in the days uh, that escalated to a projector. Mm. I remember like every month or so, I'd get a book from somebody that led me to very early on. But you see, my story is a very funny one because lots of things were happening concurrently. Mm. So whilst I was very interested in film, mm -hmm. I was buying Exchange and Mart from I was eight years old. Wow. Um, and I would highlight things like a printer. Um, and I see my son does it now. He's 15. He's mm. been doing these kind of things for a minute as well. But wow. he's got Google, whereas mm. we never had that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I was buying Exchange and Mart. I was planning about distributing videos mm. on VHS. Then I'd get the Avery labels, I think by the time I was nine and I'd be designing the labels and mm. the covers and I'd be planning to set up, wow. like Oscar Michaud, the means of production and the distribution. Mm. These are the things that led me into the pirate video business mm. later on when my parents divorced. Oh, okay. So my parents divorced at 18, <laughs> sorry, when I was 13. <laughs> Um, and we moved from New Cross to my grandparents' house mm -hmm. in Kennington, Ethel Red Estate. Mm -hmm. um, so I had two video recorders within very short period of them breaking up. Mm -hmm. And I'd sell adult videos, which were a necessity for young men at school, as I'm sure you can imagine, <laughs> and um, pirate films. So I'd dub the films and then sell them at school for a couple of pounds. Yeah. I started off asking guys to bring in their own tapes. Mm. Now, I'm not sure how I developed the entrepreneurial savvy. Mm. I remember I'd gone to my grandmother's cleaning job when I was eight. Um, she was cleaning an advertising company. And in the lobby with a table like this, there was a magazine called Penthouse. Mm. Now, all the other <laughs> magazines on the table I'd gone through and then I found one Penthouse I was hooked. And that was it. <laughs> now, I wasn't old enough to get a subscription. So I rooted through the table for everything called Penthouse. Mm. There were eight copies. I put them in a bag and I took them home. <laughs> all 26 teeth <laughs> at that age showing. That was on a Saturday afternoon. By the Monday afternoon, I'd been caught for selling the pages in school <laughs> for tuck money. Um, and my mum was called into the school the next day mm. because... I knew if it got me, yeah. it was going to sell. So I tore one copy completely to bits, still have my seven there as stock <laughs> that I'm thinking about the future. Yeah. And very quickly that enterprise came to a stop. Mm. So in secondary school, I had some experience of selling. The primary school had sold barrel pens, mm. things of this nature. And secondary school, I would tell them, you can have a money back guarantee. So on the adult videos, oh, I want my money back. Yeah, cool. Bring the tape and I'll tape over it. Mm. Ooh, that's what I thought. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's always interesting because there seems to be always moments and we've been doing this long enough to where a lot of the guests that's been on the show, their clear patterns or their moments, yeah. I should say that, you know, uh, triggers or sparks or whatever you want to call it. But mm -hmm. those moments take place and then it's like, aha. Uh -huh. Yeah. So that entrepreneurial, I guess, phase, like you said, or that, that, that spark that kind of just happened for you. How did that manifest over the years? Cause I know, you know, that's obviously part of your fabric as well, being an entrepreneur and yeah. building businesses as well. So was that 
I guess, the catalyst, let's say, for, or did other things manifest after that? It is very clear for me, and this is more a spiritual component, and it's about the defiance mm. to society. And it's not a defiance of not wanting to conform, mm. although it is. Mm. It's a defiance of obeying my own spirit that I just didn't understand in younger years. Mm. So what I understand to be my ancestors communicating with me now, mm that I would have had no spiritual awareness of as a youth, that used to get me thrown out of class, mm. that in my first primary school used to get me slapped by teachers when they could do that in mm. the early 80s, yeah, yeah. And get away with it with five-year-olds. Um, that defiance, I'd look at them and I didn't care if the one tear was coming down my face or my rage was like, <laughs> something was always communicating with me yeah. that you're gonna do it your way. Mm. And whatever they have planned, God bless them, mm -hmm. but you're going to do it your way. Mm -hmm. And my defiance was such from, let's say, seven or eight, that wow. if I didn't want to eat the dessert because someone had touched it in the wrong way or there was something in it, and I had a spiteful headmistress, let's say, who were coming, you're going to eat that or you're not going anywhere. I sit outside your office with the bowl between my legs mm -hmm. in my shorts for the whole day, and I don't feel any way. And I remained that character where what I knew up here is mm. I can suffer more than you I'm more patient than you mm. and it's going to go my way and when it's finished and it's not going to last long it's going to be totally inconsequential to me mm. now at 48 this is inevitable for me mm. like I don't have to do anything Everything is an option. However, everything I enter into is a contract on my part, mm. which I have to take responsibility for, which means I can't afford to be romantic or naive, right? Mm. Mm. No, I, I love that. And there's so many, so many things I want to unpack in that because I guess, was there, was there an example, I guess, that defiance that you mentioned, was there an example that you saw or... Was there just, was it just innate in you to have that, you know, kind of spirit of defiance, do you think? Both my mum and dad are defiant in their own ways. Mm. However, it wasn't something I'd identified. So I'm not the smartest of guys. Mm. Smart people take their experience vicariously from other people. <laughs> I learn it mm. by myself. So if I was a footballer, you'd say Dean wasn't that genius. Dean's a journeyman, so he was always going to get there. Mm. He learns late, but he learns fast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So feel fast, feel forward. That kind exactly. of attitude. No. Fail many, many, <laughs> many times. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's one of the things, you know, just researching and looking at the things that you built and the, speaking to people, obviously, who know you as well, coming here today, I was, mm. you know, super just motivated in a lot of ways. Um just from the things that you speak of. So I want to get into that. And obviously we'll we'll tackle, you know, ad pack and, and all that mm -hmm. you've got going on. But I guess going through those early teenage years, like you mentioned from around 17, where, you know, the girls and the distractions started to come in. What was that, I guess, kind of thing that got you back on track that really kind of, you know, centered you or anchored you to be like, okay, you know, this is actually not, I guess, you know, the route that I will take for my life. But, mm -hmm. you know, is this something that I can control? Do you know, it's so funny that I actually moved out for the freedom 
of life at 18. Mm. So I remember I must have had about 800 pound and I said, I'm off. Mm. Um, I didn't say anything to my mum. I went and got the exchange. I went and got the loot, found the flat in New Cross, went to see the landlord in Surrey Keys, paid my deposit, got my keys, phoned up a removal van. Uh, me and my mum were speaking on the Saturday and I said, I'm moving out on Tuesday. Um, I've got a van coming. I was 18. And wow. like, that's what my mum did. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> um, and the irony is that my mum would say, stop bringing these young ladies in my house. Mm. And maybe two months after I moved out, I settled down. <laughs> Wow. With one young lady. Def definitely <laughs> ironic. <laughs> yeah. So um, it wasn't any magical, majestical moment where the mm. sky turned lilac. It was just yeah. desire. Just so. I became bored, although after that relationship, I became very interested again. <laughs> but, um, As you do. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I didn't feel the need. Yeah. So, and, and that's interesting because like you said, it's, it's ironic that things took a turn once you had that freedom, once you yeah. had, you know, kind of your own rules, you can do what you want. You tend to maybe look at things through a different lens, um, or at least I tend to do that as well, because I can definitely draw on a few experiences where mm -hmm. I've done that exact same thing where I'm like, right, I've got all this freedom. And now yeah. you're kind of like, let me let me just be a bit, bit careful, a bit cautious yeah. and what. So... In regards to, and I want to really unpack, you know, kind of how this entrepreneurial side of you kind of develop. Um, and I know you had a few different businesses. So, and certainly on the show, there's a lot of people who, who's been on the show, who are yeah. entrepreneurs, a lot of people who listen as well. So they always, you know, seeking advice. They're always trying to find, you know, ways in which they can improve, add value in whatever field, whatever industry Absolutely. they're in. So what were some of those, I guess, early um I guess, learnings that you kind of started to uncover because as, as you mentioned before, you know, you feel feel a lot, but you, yep. you feel fast and you feel forward. So can you share, you know, how that journey was for you coming into your own as an entrepreneur earlier on? Absolutely. So when I moved to New Cross, obviously I'm responsible for my own rent. Mm. So I very quickly turned two video recorders into 10 video recorders. Mm. Um, and I used to order 500 blank VHS tapes at a time. Wow. So when I did that, I started to sell 20 tapes wholesale to shops. So mobile phone shops, mm. takeaways, greengrocers, record shops. And I'd just go around London collecting my £100 or whatever they had sold, sale and return mm. for the tapes there. So whenever I went to collect tapes, I always had 20 fresh tapes with me. Mm. And I'd take back what they didn't want anymore. And then I would exchange and pick up my money. Mm. So I did that all the way from, um, I did that through Lewisham, Brixton, all the way up to Tottenham. Wow. And I printed my own covers that said Roots Video on them. Mm. Um, and I had the phone, my mobile phone number on the back. So I had a mobile. Mm. Um, when This is 1993, not everybody my age had yeah. a mobile phone yeah. then. So I had a mobile phone for business then. My mobile phone number was on the back of the video cassettes. Mm. So when I got a phone call from customers, then I wasn't selling wholesale, I was selling retail. Mm. So then I'd go and take X amount of films to them and then I'd do the retail as well. Mm -hmm. And then some of those people that were selling, taking tapes from me retail would ask, can I take them wholesale? Yes. Mm. So then I get more wholesale custom from them. Um, 
And then one of my mates said, I was at a girl, one of, I was at a girl's last night and I can see your videos there, Mr. Video. <laughs> but the pickup from that was great and the referrals were great. Mm. And then I found less work by making the customers wholesalers and they were even more reliable than the retailers with the money. Because mm. remember, business people don't care about paying people, do mm. they? <laughs> business people say sorry speak on as it. as i've learned over the years <laughs> hey sorry yeah that's quick to apologize no, we we've heard a few apologies in our time civilians yeah. pay the bills first mm. beautiful yeah yeah now it's 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 so interesting just hearing you know kind of your journey and how you started and just you know mapping that out because it's kind of sporadic for us in getting into the space and you know you were asking earlier just off camera, just how long we were going and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's crazy. We've looked up and we're celebrating a year, yeah, you know, beautiful. that it's, it's gone almost too quick, but the learnings and just kind of the experiences in that time, you know, a lot of what we were probably doing wasn't planned. Certainly yeah. wasn't, you know, a strategic kind of like, we're mm -hmm. going to do this, we're going to do this. But like you mentioned at the top of the show, all of these steps, you know, kind of led to that particular moment being the time you need to do what you need to do on that floor. Yeah. So for you now, seemingly having a business operation going and you're around London and the clientele, the relationships and networks growing, how forward thinking are you in terms of what's next? Or are you in the moment just taking advantage of what's on your table? So again, I was really living a dual life. Mm. So before I moved out, I joined Panther UK, mm. May 8, 1993. Um, May 7, 1993, which was oh. a Friday night, mm. uh, based on Stephen Lawrence getting murdered. So on the Saturday was the Stephen Lawrence March. Um, I went on that march where there were, there was definitely a couple of uprisings mm. in Welling, where the BMP headquarters was, <laughs> one outside the BMP headquarters. So I've seen horses, well, I've seen horses charging towards people and hitting, beating people several times. I actually had the baptism of fire because I got that from a truncheon. Um, wow. So I was as active as I wanted to be. And then when my eye was filled with blood, that was the end of that. Um, and I remember getting the ambulance. I did mention the young ladies. So I think one of my girlfriends had phoned me. Mm. So she came down. Um, and when I said I was her, she phoned the house phone. And then somebody picked it up. I think it was even my aunt or my gran. Oh, Dean's been hitting the eyes in the hospital. Then my aunt's coming up there. Well, now the house is telling young ladies phoning up the house phone that Dean's been hit in the eye. Mm. Oh, wow, I want to come down. No. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel great at all. I can't talk and I've got to come outside my bedroom on the house phone because the young ladies come back with me from the hospital. <laughs> so it's really a lot of energy. Yeah. And far too much energy. Yeah. I don't know how men of my age do it. <laughs> I think they're a lot more grey than me. Um far too much excitement yeah it's it's interesting man because i think you know throughout our journey in life there always seems to be these these, these turns and these twists that occur and you know oftentimes it's unexplainable 
Yeah. You're, you're not really quite clear on why a lot of things are happening, but you know they're happening. And like I said, this journey that we've been on, it's a lot like that. Some yeah. extraordinary people and, and networking and relationships we've been able to build, you know, yourself, Otis and other people who've yeah. been on the show, Raf, these guys that are just, in my opinion, just, you know, mentors, almost examples, yeah. you know, definitely people that I want to, you know, try and, and mirror and, and, and um, step up to the plate in terms of what they're doing. So when you were on here and just what you referenced earlier about that period of time, you know, with the, the riots and when Stephen Lawrence's. No, no. I never mentioned riots. Sorry, sorry, sorry. My bad. My there was bad. a valid uprising yeah. in Welling <laughs> valid because uprising. it was a very racist area mm. that we could lose our lives if mm. we went through. And I'd actually forgotten the point of what I was saying. That was where I gained my political education mm. from Panther UK. And within a very short period of joining, I was giving talks at the Brixton Rec. I was in debates at SOAS, although I've never attended university formally one day in my life wow. and speaking for on Panther's behalf at Hammersmith and West. So I'd be giving talks for mm. Panther and getting my political education every Wednesday. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's touch on that then, because I think that's one of the things that, you know, I really appreciate about how passionate you are about obviously our people, our community and really kind of, you know, feeding and putting a message out there that's uplifting and mm -hmm. obviously, you know, challenging to the, the status quo. You yep. know, in terms of, you know, the governments, in terms of how, I guess, as a people, we tend to always be at the, the tail end of a lot of things that are progressive. So you having that experience and those early teachings with Panther UK, how did that change or actually, you know, well, your mindset at that time, how was it going into Panther UK versus how you came out? Well, the funny thing is, remember, I said it was a dichotomy. Mm. So on the one hand, all my friends are petty criminals mm. and I'm drinking K super almost every day. <laughs> and then I'm also getting my political education. Interesting. So then I cross boundaries. I'm not concerned about selling stolen goods. I'm not concerned about selling weed. Mm. And I'm also getting a political education and I'm also giving political talks. Mm. So I'm becoming politically savvy. Mm. I'm also very commercially savvy. My moral compass is going completely this way. Mm. And then one day I was selling the pirate videos in a barber's on Queens Road. Mm. And I met a guy, couple of adult movies, couple of pirate movies. I like you, I like your style. I want you to come down to my estate agent tomorrow, meet me in Crystal Palace, bring some tapes with you. So I went down there, I met him, had a conversation. He said, listen, when some of the properties are empty, have a shabim, um, I'd like you to come and do some work there where I ended up for a couple of years running the bar. And there was one day he came to pick me up, um, doing me a favor because I was selling an Apple Mac that had come from Luton at the time <laughs> to somebody and I needed a cap. So I called him. He had two Rolls Royces at the time. So he's picked me up in a Rolls Royce. Wow. We've gone to deliver the Mac, taking my money giving him a drink for the lift. And he said, I looked at you when I was picking you up. Mm. And he said, 100% um, of your life is wrong. Wow. Talking about the moral compass, criminality, mm -hmm. this, that. Um, he said, you can be 50% wrong. He said, but you can't be 100% wrong. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had a guy 
that he bought suits from something like 50 pound. Now this isn't where the suit thing started for me. That's where I wanted to wear suits though. Mm. And even when I met that guy, I was still too raw and a little bit lemon mm. when I met him. <laughs> still didn't learn, mm. late to the game. Too much time in Peckham, too much time in New Cross. However, not long after, I think, so 1995, mm. the police shut down that business. Mm. Um, I went to court for the second, for the first date. And then the day before the second date, I was totally strapped. And I said, you know what? God loves a trial. Let's go to Lady World Police Station. Mm. I said, my court dates are over. I said, um, the judge said to return my machines. The duty officer went and got my 10 machines in the plastic bags. So it took me a couple of hours to walk, like stopping every 20 feet from New Cross, from Ladywell. And then the last part of the journey, I said, I just can't do it. And I got on the bus with, you know, the scratch cards that you stick the, with the print stick. Okay. And I saw one of my mum's friends on the bus. And, and she said, Dean, where, where you get them video from? <laughs> because it was in the, it says police evidence on the bags. Yeah, yeah. The clear bags. It just came out evidence. And I said, I bought them from the police auction. She said, oh, so smart. I said, so <laughs> I've got them in. Now I'm on the blower to sell them because I was strapped. Mm. So I think I'd got rid of four the same day. Now I'm sitting in the court where they made the confiscation order and gave me I can't remember, I'm not gonna say a particular number of hours for community mm. service, but they did. Mm. Um, I didn't pay one pound because remember what I said about being highly intentional mm. about entering into contracts. Yeah. All contracts are choice. Mm. I signed nothing. Okay, <laughs> no contract. We don't do label deals, we set them up. Mm. I also did zero hours of community service. So they do put out a warrant for you. It's a civil case, it's not a criminal matter. Mm. I had no concern whatsoever, mm. even at um, 20. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's impressive because I think, you know, what you're describing is someone who, again, going back to that story you mentioned when you were in school and that defiance that you mm -hmm. had seven, eight, eight years old, I can see how that's manifested and grown to a point where you were now I guess, starting to maybe understand it, or at least it's starting to, you know, show its head a bit more in terms of this part of your journey. So you were talking about, you know, the guy who, I guess, looked at you in the barbershop, you know, saw something in you and he wanted to, or at least it appeared that he wanted to kind of uh, get you on a straight and narrow. As Not it, as necessarily. You see, energy is an infectious thing. Mm. And misguided energy can be utilized and harnessed. Mm. which is also worth money. So I don't make any assumptions about people's motivations. Mm. But what I do know is I was a very useful young man. Okay. I'm still a very useful young man <laughs> in an <laughs> old body. <laughs> <laughs> so was it a, um, a choice of yours then to go and um, seek out when he mentioned you can be 50% wrong, you can't be 100% wrong? What was that? I guess, next point in terms of that relationship, that um, kind of uh, transaction with you and him? That nothing changed between me and him, but something definitely changed within me mm. because I started to think about it. 
I started to think about what I initially wanted, mm -hmm. which was a film side. And then I started to look at the 16 millimeter cameras, um, little jobs. There's a lot I missed because I went to Brit school as well mm -hmm. and did assistant music video jobs like Big Arts, Curiosity Killed the Cat. Oh, wow. Um, where I was ceremoniously offered at 17 years old cocaine probably 20, 30 times throughout the day. Wow. Which was consumed all over the house in Labrick Grove and several times on set and in the van. Just normal. However, um, I've never ever had any curiosity about class A drugs. Mm. I've taken a puff of weed, but in life experience, and I'm not a politician, never smoked. Mm. I sold weed. Mm. Didn't cost me anything because I never smoked it. Yeah. My ex at the time smoked it, so I had a good hiding place. <laughs> um, but I was just never interested. Yeah. I've seen what drugs does to people. Yeah. And a couple of years after that, getting broken into, so in 1990, it's either 1996 or 1997, mm. I looked after one of my uncles for three months mm. who sold heroin. Wow. Um, in a different part of the country for 18 years. And they'd also come out from an armed robbery, um, did seven years for that mm. to the day, because like me, he's smart. So mm. he did the whole seven years. Um, and when people were coming after him for his life, mm. because he had gone from selling to consuming heroin, mm. I looked after him for three months. So I know what drugs do yeah. to people. And the byproduct of addiction based on your natural DNA mm -hmm. is inevitable. Mm. It's not very shrewd. Mm. My drug of choice is rum mm. and I drink it very slowly and I enjoy <laughs> it and I'm a little bit funnier with it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that. We had a few bottles. Yeah, I, I, bless you. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a few bottles come over from back home, but it, it's funny because when you were talking about that experience, even with your uncle, you know, just growing up, you know, for myself in Barbados, that's that's the homeland. That's kind of where I grew up. That's, mm -hmm. you know, where my, my, my roots are, you know, very, very firmly um, ingrained. And those were regular sites. You know, it was it was very, very almost nonchalant in terms of the drug use and kind of how. Yeah, you I, I don't pretend it, it wasn't yeah. heroin for me. Mm -hmm. It was just is what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's interesting because it, it's profoundly had an effect on me where, and, you know, you hear this story about, I guess there were, there were twins and one, you know, saw his dad who was an alcoholic and one yep. chose to, you know, drink, one, one did not. And for me, it was the complete opposite. I was, there's no way I'm touching that stuff, having seen what it's done to both family, friends and, and just random strangers. So absolutely for you then going into, I guess, the, the next chapter um, in, in your life, what was that phase coming out of, um, I guess, not necessarily the entrepreneurial side of things, but just now your mindset is that of you're politically savvy, you're being, you know, taught and schooled, you know, from mm -hmm. the Panthers is a lot, I guess, of maybe conflict with your, with your moral compass. What was that next phase stepping into like? Well, what I discovered two years into being in Panther mm -hmm. is how liberal agendas use African Caribbeans. So PAMFA was actually set up by militant labor, unbeknownst to me. 
mm. coming out of the gate very naive, very idealistic, like yeah. everybody who goes into politics. Mm -hmm. Not unlike our prime minister, who in her earlier years was saying that the royal family should be deposed and then she's there giving her well wishes at the funeral. So what can we do? Yeah. However, I've remained quite consistent. But what I learned when I realized that is how emotionally predictable we are mm -hmm. and how malleable we are. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, that hasn't really changed. Mm -hmm. And all of the conditions um, across this period of the colonial virus mm -hmm. have shown me that. Mm -hmm. Nothing has actually changed. We remain equally as malleable. And we still watch the news like it's 1983 and we're 11 years old, which is fine because it's a choice and you make a contract to do that. But then you also have to bear out the results of that and take full responsibility mm. for your role within that contract. Yeah. Now, my thing was I wanted to lose all romantic notions and naivety mm. and unplug from the matrix and know that I'm eating slop and not pretend that I'm eating a synthetic steak. <laughs> so I did that and I became completely and wholly reliant on myself. Um, so when I was strapped and I had no food, I knew if I was walking 10 miles to go somewhere, because I wouldn't say I can't come because I haven't got money, mm. I just get up earlier and I walk. Mm. I had no problem with, I see kids today, ah, oh, can you give me money for, your legs work, use them and appreciate them while you're young. This is the fittest you're ever gonna be. Mm. I would walk, I had no problem. If I had one pair of trousers or one suit, that's what I go and do. Mm. Because one of the things that I knew is that I'm a killer closer. Mm. You know your skill sets and you can't have false humility about what they are. Mm. You must have clarity as a man. For me, I often find I project onto people, but I just assume all men are highly calculated from the time they see a young lady and know what they desire. Mm. The minute your man can stand to 45 degrees, mm. you want to be active. Yeah, yeah. I just assume right. that all men are highly calculated, but that's not true. We're not all, because some of us still watch the news like it's 1983. Mm. So then I realize that what you have is a very calculated and mercenary mind mm. and that now your moral compass is in a very different place from when you were a young man because mm. I would have used that superhuman power to say what's in it for me mm. and me doesn't represent us me represents me mm. now if you're green that means your food right <laughs> and I find that the the highest intelligence mm. is very base the lion eats the antelope mm. not because he's jealous not because he's pretty colors, but because he obeys the command of his stomach, nature. Wow. So when he's hungry, run. Because <laughs> it's not jealousy. Mm. He wants to eat, you want to live. Make a decision. So my romance went out of the window and my human calculator went on. Mm. Now that's powerful stuff because just hearing you speak on that, I'm like trying to implement or see how implementation of that in my own kind of thesis and ways that I think, you know, you talked about being a closer, you know, my background in terms of what I've done for the longest time, my career has been in tech and, you know, relationships and yeah. closing deals. And it's always been an intriguing dance for me, yeah. you know, negotiations and trying to, you know, I wouldn't say manipulate, but you're trying to obviously make sure that- Stop. Mm -hmm. 
there's something we do. We find these terms nefarious. Mm. And I'm going to say something to you. A show like this is talking to a particular tribe. Yeah. So they're just going to look at us and say, guys, stop pretending. Mm. Yes, manipulate. Mm. Yes, be calculated. Yes, get the outcome that I want. I'm going to tell you something now. I always get the outcome that I want. Mm. I don't mean sometimes, I mean always. I always go to that low figure that I know what it is mm -hmm. and I go up and I come down and I settle exactly where I expected to settle. Mm -hmm. And I don't mind telling whoever's in front of me because they're not my adversary. Because mm. if we're working together now, we're delivery partners. And I often find that I'm attracted to people by a spirit. Mm. And now I either find a full delivery partner as a peer because mm. they was calculated as me or I find a mentee, either way. Um, but what I don't do, I don't find myself doing things with people I don't like anymore. Yeah. Like I go into a room, oh, I don't like this guy and I've got to get it over to get the money. Because yeah. as my grandfather, not every pound is good to take. Mm, and I'm not at a stage in life where I'm going to go and punish myself for a pound note because I can suffer more than you and I just like my own way. Yeah. I, I demand it at this juncture of my life. Yeah. Nah, that's... that's uh... Those words are so, just hearing you speaking up because there's so many people and I'm sure the audience and people listening and watching, you know, they are at different junctures of their life. You I know, some people are probably going to not be able to suffer, like you said, for as long as you can to get that they outcome can. they want. They can. Can they? They absolutely can. They don't want to. Everybody can suffer. I remember the first night I moved into my flat in Catford um, and I still had to move my stuff and it was freezing cold mm. and all i had there was the mattress and i turned on this cold water tap by accident and that made all the water in the radiators freezing you can suffer mm. you can suffer you don't want to suffer and the best time to suffer is when you're young or you're going to get the bug say i'm sick of serving people mm. and then you're going to try and do it at my age that, that'd be horrible mm. without any actual practice of suffering mm. to build up that resilient skin to build up that thing of, ah, oh, this is normal. This is always what day one looks like. Mm. Day one is horrible. Difference between me and you is I'm the guy who puts out the candle like that with his finger <laughs> and it burns my ass. But you will never know because mm. I will never let you see me sweating. Whenever my mum was broke, my mum had credit cards. She go, I need it. I wanted trainers. My mom, my granddad said to my mom, why did you take them to Harrods to buy the trainers? Why you buy the trainer? And this is like 28 pound for Nike in 1984. My mom said, because my Harrods card is the only card I had left. <laughs> you will never see me sweating. Mm. That's something I learned from my mom. Mm. You will never see that woman sweating. If she is broke, you will never know it. And I think that's, that's such an important message for people to hear because... A lot of people probably, especially in this day and age, we see it now, whether it's like you said, the news and the consumption of what the, you know, is being fed into mainstream, into people's mind, you know, it's, it's almost to, to numbify you, but in a way of also to rock you to sleep. Yeah. And these are the conversations, you know, Otis, myself, like our group of circle we have in terms of, you know, how we can rise above a lot of this stuff that's being. Applied behavioral mm. psychology is pumped out mm. to keep you in a constant state of anxiety. Because when you are constantly anxious, mm. you want someone to alleviate that state. 
Now, in order for somebody to alleviate that state, you are now making a contract with yourself mm. that you are a victim. And this is why I say I never let anybody see me sweating mm. because it does two things. Now, if I'm complaining about my state, mm. I'm making myself vulnerable. Now, for me, vulnerability is unattractive. But if vulnerability is attractive now, it's because I'm a mill, right? Mm. Now, if I'm a mill because I'm vulnerable and I go into that room, what do you think that does for my negotiating position? Yeah, disadvantage immediately. I've walked to a meeting that I thought was for around £5,000. I was told there was an opportunity for £25,000 when I had that meeting. I didn't have the money to pay. If the person hadn't had their corporate card at that meeting to pay in the hotel for the cappuccino and croissant that I had, I would have been very embarrassed. I had one suit to my name mm. when I walked from Kennington to wherever it was I had the meeting. Mm. That meeting turned out to be 40,000 pound contract, wow. not 25,000, based on what? Not sweating. Because mm. if I'd, oh, we're broke, you don't give us money, mm. and no. I put on my hat, you don't know me, I don't know you, let's go. Yeah. You've got your armor for battle, I've got mine, mm. let's go. They don't know. Mm. Whatever you give is what they're going to receive. And it's not just words, it's your spirit. As I'm walking, I'm convincing myself, I need this. Yeah. This is not like an option for me to go in there. Guys, if you... I need it. Mm. It's incredible, man, because I'm listening to you and I'm thinking to myself, how can this, you know, not just confidence, but like you said, it's deep in your spirit. That mm -hmm. walk, you probably had the winning mentality that was needed to get that contract, to close that deal. How do people, I guess, that you come across in today's day and age can develop or is it possible to develop that? Or is it innate, you know, something that you just have in you? One thing about me, I'm not going to lie to anybody. If you are the type of character who is scared mm. and says, I take that back, not scared coward mm. and says one day when I get to that position mm. I'm gonna do this you're never gonna get there people who commit particular acts have tenacity mm. if you are a coward throw yourself in uncomfortable positions where you could be humiliated mm. where you could lose things but it's not gonna ruin your life. I'm going to give you a clue. So after I'd got that money and I had an office at Bishopsgate, mm. I had become complacent because I thought I'd made it, right? <laughs> so now I've fallen back on the rent and they've sent an eviction order. Now my landlord is the city of London. Um, and then they changed the lock on the door. Now I'm not an easy guy from South London. So obviously I broke in. This is my office. <laughs> You've got my six seat board table in there, my free desk, my computers and all my things. Mm. It's my office. I can get in, I'm going to get in. Smash the door, change the lock, boom. So I'm having a meeting now where I'm trying to close to get some money for an investment for a TV show. And the estate agents come in to show my office. So in my head, I was so humiliated. My head's on fire. So he said, um, so he's coming from the door there. I'm at the board table. I'm doing this. 
And he says, so this is the office. He says, uh, what are you doing in here? This is supposed to be empty. Immediately, I'm not going to let this guy's worth money. Mm. I'm not going to let him know my hands are fire. What do you think you're doing? This is out, out. I've shuffled them out. I've closed the door. The minute I closed the door, I grabbed the guys. I said, listen, I owed seven grand. I've paid free. Work with me. <laughs> the guy who is with him said, and he said, this is very unusual. It's very unusual. I said, but it is. Mm. He said, but it, it was supposed to be. I've let myself in. I've paid three grand. Mm. I'm not going to wipe my mouth for that three grand. Yeah. I owed seven. Now I owe four. Go back to your office. I said, look at me. Work with me. Mm. But my face just said, go away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I said, work with me. So, but my head was on fire. Mm. Now, when I gone back in the room, in my chest, I was absolutely humiliated. But what I did was ridiculous. Brother, he doesn't know what I know. Mm. Why would I convey it to him? I, I, the way you, you speak on a lot of these things, and I think, you know, for me hearing it, some of the instances I can really relate to just because of the situations I've been in. But I really want to try and, you know, convey a message to the audience. And certainly, you know, like you said, this is a peop this is a show that is for our people. This is for our tribe. Don't give up. Mm. Don't look. A lot of people use this term, don't give up. And uh, people don't know what it means. So I'm going to say it like this. Don't capitulate. So now, based on the time I know we have left, I'm going to run into the politics and I'm going to run into it like this. So when I say don't capitulate... Sometimes we use a very unkind term as a community, coon, which is somebody that we believe is actually betraying our community mm. who has worked their way into a position of trust who should be representing us. Mm. I'm going to say something based on my own limited experience of some time. We neither pay our community champions, mm. nor do we give titles or socially promote our community champions. Mm. So if somebody comes in idealistic into a field and let's say they end up becoming a politician, there's very few avenues as outlets. Mm. But what they do is to just be very sanitized about it, is capitulate to a white supremacist agenda, mm. which is antithetical to our socioeconomic development. Mm. So I no longer use that term because not everybody has my resilient spirit nor could I expect it. We are all normal people with a normal resolve until we tap into a higher spiritual consciousness. Religion for some, not for me. Mm. I became aware of my ancestors. I could draw down on my ancestors and I understand that my ancestors communicate with my soul mm. who directly send me downloads. Got it. I can get in the shower with a problem or a challenge. I come out of the shower and I've got a solution. If I need to come up with an initiative, I draw the logo on a piece of paper, I get on Photoshop, logo is there. I'll scribble out what the actual initiative is. I'll edit it. Um, I'll transcribe it. I'll send it to delivery partners. Then I'll put it in the public domain, make the public stakeholders. Then I'm looking for money. Where's the money? Where's the money? Where's the money? Like truffles. Mm. Delivery partners want to get paid as well. Well, I might be blacklisted because I've taken 150 people outside the mayor's office and shut it down. So these things might come from guardian angels in some of the institutions that I have guardian angels in, mm. um, which is relationship based. Yeah. 
because I just do things for people for what would seem like no reason. But there's always reciprocity. Mm. That reciprocity could be information, that reciprocity, well, it's always information, but it could be information just to let me know, don't waste your time. Yeah. Or it could be information to say, there's a green light, it's time for you to go. Yeah. So I find people everywhere. So I might go into law enforcement. I have an advocate there. I have advocates. I have ears. I have eyes everywhere yeah. that will always inform me. That's not the direction to go. Yeah. Don't be such a hard ass. Just be gentler. Because mm. even they may become a delivery partner at some stage. I heard you. Mm. So I find that that mindset after a while, like I said, when I was at my mum's, mm. I wanted to knock down every young lady in front of me. Mm. When I had my own yard, I was a lot more relaxed, quiet, confident. So at this juncture, being quiet, confident, I don't have anything to prove. Mm. It's all about function. So when I go in a room, yes, this officer is adversarial and antithetical to my community. Mm. But if I'm seeking to do something with you, even to get you to change something nominally, mm because you understand that it's gonna get you out of water, he's gonna to have to be a delivery partner at some level, and I'm gonna to have to make an adjustment. And it might not be anything economic for me, um, which is rarely gonna be the case because they're not gonna enable me to be a greater thorn in their side. <laughs> I've said too much mm. and it's out in the universe. Yeah. So I don't envisage anything coming from that. So do you know what I'm free to do? I'm free to go in all these spaces and do whatever I want. But I'm not 16. Mm. I'm a grown man. I think like a 48-year-old. I dress like a 48-year-old. I speak like a 48-year-old. Mm. And I conduct myself like a 48-year-old. And we're men. Mm. You're a human being. Yeah. you got pressures. You go in. You've come in from this stressful meeting with me, pressing you. Then you're getting nagged because you don't spend enough time with your kids and your family. Mm. So I get it. So... Now I'm gonna come to you with a different approach because some people do an impersonation of what it looks like. First thing I'm gonna do, I'm gonna shake your hand. And when you're talking to me, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna be very straight with you in the uncomfortable handshake. Mm. Like the shaky hand, man. <laughs> and I'm just gonna request the same integrity from you. Mm. Now, if it's within your capacity, there's no need to make up anything for me. And your optics aren't gonna work because mm. I'm protected yeah. and I see everything. Yeah. And I say it just like that. And do you know why? Because you don't pay me. <laughs> now I may find from an initiative that I create in this room, a way to get paid because you guys need it, but you don't pay me. Mm. So I don't need to do any impersonation for you. I'm gonna speak to you as a man and you may or may not Speak to me as a man. Mm. So I did this with um, an African Caribbean police officer recently and be it on his own conscience. And I shook his hand and I knew that he'd been broken by the job and I knew he had a very limited capacity. Mm. And he says, 30 grand contract. Don't bother putting it in. I'll hand it straight to Mo, pack the funders. Okay. Heard nothing back whatsoever. Now he's, PA had been contacting me because I set them on fire on Twitter and social media every time they do something through AdPak and personally. Ah! Uh, you got me in the building now. Don't waste my time. <laughs> but I never heard back from them. Yeah. So then my guardian angel said nothing was put through. 
Really? And I said, okay. I said, you know, I'm not angry. I said, I understand because we're deeply programmed at a DNA level mm. and it's been broken by the job. So I have empathy, you know. Um, we hear terms which my spirit, mm. like an antivirus, enabled me to catch and throw away, like ethnic minority. Now, I don't do that. We're 1.5 billion. You sound like a silly billy. <laughs> um, and all my friends look like me and where I live is the majority of us. Drop me out. Just cut it out. Stop. So I don't, I don't have the malware. Like if I get together with eight of my peers that some people would have and then a funder says, yeah, it's a little bit too black. And then my too black programming kicks mm. in, which affects my operating system. Ah, so now I've got to paint it with optics. Now I don't do that. I say, yeah, I hear you, but we're not black. We're African and African Caribbean. So let's crack on. Mm. I take my chances. I'm all right. I'm comfortable in that room. Yeah. Because I'm me. Yeah. And I don't know who you are. You look like a biscuit bodyguard. You look like a manager <laughs> of some sort that I enable. I'll be able to circumvent very quickly when I meet whoever you defer to. Mm. So. Yeah. And I don't need to articulate any of that to humiliate them. Mm. I just look at them and I know you're not in my way. Mm. You're like a lamppost. When I see lamppost, I'm going to pass you. Mm. I could drink a whole bottle of Ray and Nephew or Mount Gay. <laughs> and um, I'm not going to bump into you. Not one time. <laughs> and after two or three meetings with you, we don't need to do that again. Yeah. No, no it's, it's, it's so interesting, man. Just the things that you, you speak on and I guess, your experiences I find pretty intriguing because I'm always trying to be a sponge I'm always trying to learn from people who like I said earlier you know I can see their qualities their values they're just actions that and certain I guess like you said morals and just an integrity about yourself when when um you know I was first exposed to you and I was just like I need to understand kind of what's going on up here because I think it's so important to relay those messages and just kind of your output. And I'm sure mm -hmm. there are people that consume you and your information in various different forms, but you know, for our audience and you know, our tribe and the people who listen to this, this is a platform for black people. Yeah, This is a platform for people who are wanting to look at, I guess, our people who are setting pace, who are making strides, who are, you know, in the, about, pushing the culture forward as we say mm -hmm. and then how we can pass the baton and how we can make sure you know the race continues yeah you know so people like yourself we really try and just make sure we champion because i think a lot of people like you were mentioning earlier just about the optics and those kind of situations where you do hear it a lot oh this is too black yeah or oh, this this you know it doesn't look it, and i've even been in situations where no that's been mentioned that's been said and I find myself being almost uncomfortable, like, really? But you got to make a choice. Mm. You see, now, I just said something to you. We're programmed at a DNA level. Mm -hmm. Now, we are the subjects of a 500-year black experiment. Mm. And black is a brand. Now, you've got to choose to adopt the black brand. So you just told me you come from Barbados, so mm. you're African-Caribbean. Mm -hmm. Because your African ancestors were taken to the Caribbean and your Caribbean ancestors came here. Mm -hmm. So you are African-Caribbean. That's it. That's so if you choose to adopt the black brand mm. and thereby make yourself a ward of the state, stateless, are you Palestinian? No? 
<laughs> you're African Caribbean. Big you're Bajan. Facts. Big facts. So you chose inadvertently to adopt the black brand. Mm. I didn't. Because it's a brand. It's a superior brand. It's better than Nike. Mm. It's more widely adopted than Nike. It's more valued than Nike. I'm black and proud. Cool. Mm. I did a documentary um, a couple of years ago and I had a young lady from BLM. You don't understand. You're black. Oh, okay. How long you been doing this? Two weeks now. <laughs> cool. I feel you. You're going to convince me I'm black. Yeah. But you can have African and black at the same time. Yeah, of course you can. And and I could be blue and I could be Linton Kwesi Johnson or anybody else. But I'm not. I'm Dino Kaisenia. And African-Caribbean. Mm. So, look. What I don't do at this juncture of my life is convince anybody. Mm. Because where we say nobody is perfect, I believe everybody is perfect. Mm. You are the perfect version of you. And I have no desire to replace your God, whatever it is, mm. if I'm not going to replace it. Mm. Based on your tenacity, I don't have the inclination for you. Mm. <laughs> so those I do look for, as you say, the sponges, highly confident, the weapons that I can see are missiles. And I say, yeah, you excite me. Mm. I just want to give you a GPRS because all missiles need is a GPRS. Get that target, right? And once you have a GPRS, agile project management, broadcast skills, public speaking, um, business acumen, banking, you're dangerous. Mm. And then we just need to give you the GPRS. So then we shoot you, short form media, we curate that short form media, and we present you as the effective generation of leadership that our community require. So now as a project manager, we have to identify projects for you, mm -hmm. go out and get the money so that we can sustainably employ you. Mm. And thereby we start off on apprenticeships and we find someone because someone's always got to pay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nah. And oh, actually before we move on, because I do want you to speak on ADPAC and kind of the committee, the organization, what it stands for. Obviously there's a lot within the organization that I believe the audience will, if they're not familiar with it, they'll definitely find quite, quite intriguing um, and hopefully, you know, want to be a part of the movement. So can you break down, I guess, even when you had the idea to kind of create ADPAC and, you know, what it stands for today yeah. um, to the audience and just kind of give them a Absolutely. So the first thing as a project manager, mm. my vision is for solutions. Mm-hmm. So I said, who is actually doing and accomplishing this thing that I desire to accomplish? Mm. So I look at the states who do most things bigger, better, more scaled. And I said, APAC, the American-Israeli Public Affairs Committee. Mm. I said, it works. Politicians are members. All politicians defer to their leadership because if you don't go and make a speech, at the APAC AGM, you aren't going to be president of anywhere except your own house. <laughs> Go ask Bernie Sanders, who declined to appear. Fine. Wow. So, understanding the sophistication of the organization, I did a deep dive into research and I said, right, so 
with enough capacity because politicians aren't the most, um, as much as these talented actors would have you believe, mm. they are largely ruthlessly ambitious actors who can perform a particular role. And even in terms of advocacy for us as black, they know, which most of us don't, that black is a political term mm. that means non-white. So it doesn't mean African-Caribbean or African. It doesn't specifically represent any ethnicity. So if you fall into the wider expansion of BAME, you are black, mm. politically black. Operation Black Vote know that, but the people don't. So remember I said, based on my experience from militant labor, mm -hmm. I'm aware. You see, at 48 years old, I don't believe anything. Mm -hmm. Dino Kai either knows or he doesn't know. If I know, I speak. If I don't, I shut my mouth and I find a peer educator, mm. which is why I have 9,000 connections on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So when I could afford to belong to a private members club, when I had the shop, I would sit down for eight hours on a Monday and just invite people for drinks and buy them drinks and lunch for a year. Four or five people a day. Wow. 52 weeks of the year to get peer education. Why am I going to university or doing any course when these guys have all come to get something from me? We're going to have a drink. We may build a relationship and I'm going to get an education. Mm. And I've got my pen. I'm not pretending. <laughs> so APAC was the solution that I was looking at. And then I said, so we need to identify via our ethnicity, mm. which is African. And we are Africans of the diaspora, 1.5 billion. And I said, if you... This team can get this right in the UK. Mm -hmm. This is modular and scalable globally. And it'll work because it's not like the Black Caucus, like our African and, let me not say African and African Caribbean politicians. Let me say black politicians. Because mm. when you go into the black um, labor movement, mm -hmm. it's made up of the bank. So everybody has a specific ethnic representation except Africans and African Caribbeans. Now, David Lammy figured that out. And then he set up this year, the BEO, which is very similar to ADPAC. Mm. Um, now, David Lammy was asked for a comment on one of his adversarial colleagues on the other side of the bench after that man was called superficially black. I can't possibly comment on that. Well, what it is about these ruthlessly ambitious actors is that when you're vying for a position, to me, as a politician, like it's no position. It's no money, it's no position, it's nothing. But for some, because it's only appetites, right? Mm -hmm. In any case, I know that man doesn't represent my socioeconomic interests because his ambition is more important. So if the UK, like America, has swung to the right wing when Bush, sorry, not Bush, um, uh, Donald Trump came in oh, yeah. and Boris, same time, mm. same nation, same values. The xenophobia where people will vote outside of their interests based on racism. Mm. We can all see the economic byproduct of Brexit now. Mm -hmm. I don't have any problem with that. People have to reconcile themselves with their choices and know that they were willing and complicit within the contract that they created. I didn't understand, hey, 
you may ejaculate <laughs> and you may not understand, but there's a byproduct yeah. and now you're responsible. Constant. So it is what it is. Mm. Um, there's no running away from responsibility. Mm. In any case, you must have a clarity about who represents your interest and who doesn't. And if you know that there is a system that doesn't represent you, that would on the 70th anniversary of the Windrush be deporting the people who rebuilt this country at her most fragile stage, mm -hmm. rebuilt the NHS, the London Underground Civil Service. I would project onto others that they would have clarity that this isn't gonna work for you. Mm -hmm. But many people don't, because they watch the news like it's 1983 and they're 11 years old, which I don't have a problem with. I just don't speak to those people. Mm -hmm. I speak to my tribe, my job isn't to convince you. And then the institution must have the values of the clarity that I convey. And then it's just delivery partners of a similar ilk mm. who have a clarity about our interests, our socioeconomic interests. So then what questions am I asking? When we came here, we came here with a need of each other, right? Mm -hmm. Fine. Necessity is the mother of all invention. Partner, Susu, mm -hmm. Got us freeholds with no mortgages, exponentially. How are they doing that? They must be worth money. Let's give them bank loans. We got bank loans, we had more debt, we had less homes. We still do. So we've got to look at the structures that work. Uphold, promote and preserve mm. your culture at all costs. Culture has nothing to do with crayon colors. Culture is powerful. Mm. Culture should be innate at a DNA level. Culture serves. Culture binds, creates cohesion. Mm -hmm. Now, if we cohesively observe our culture, we'll be fine. And that doesn't preclude us from having relationships with anybody else. Look at Chinese New Year. Everybody attends, right? <laughs> they do. Because we don't have the two black thing. I'm setting up a Caribbean takeaway just for black people. No, it's for everybody. Mm. It's just the money comes here. We're clear about that. Mm -hmm. And now even the businesses know their role within the community, that your role is to, through tithes, donate back 10% to a trust mm -hmm. to purchase commercial, commercial freeholds, to convert into schools, chambers of commerce, and community centers. You're going to benefit from the chamber of commerce, where you'll go every month, mm. meet all of your peers. All of the ongoing training for businesses will be deliver, delivered from there. If we want to elect somebody locally, we'll introduce them here. Mm -hmm. AdPAC will back them because we act as a super PAC and we just duplicate that. Croydon, Lambeth, Lewisham, Southwark, Hackney, Haringey, Brent, Enfield, Manchester, Birmingham, Wolverhampton, mm. Liverpool. Okay. We scale. Modular, scalable, mm. local leadership, highly influential, lots of short form media to convey the messaging on a daily basis where you set up a 10 seat boardroom and a media studio and you pump out every day because slow exposure leads to wider adoption. Mm. Mr. Dean Akai, my guy. Um, before we wrap, because I know that, you know, I'm, I'm conscious of your time, but I, I, could, I could sit here and just let you just, <laughs> just let you go, my guy. But, you know, first of all, super appreciative, you know, of you being on the show. I think a lot of people hopefully listening and watching this, I know myself included, you know, there's a lot of information and a lot of gems and just, I think your experience is one that, and you talked about it in terms of how, you know, it should be kind of um, 
not necessarily documented, but should be put out there in, you know, these formats for consumption and yeah. for people to really, you know, take it on board. Because I feel like there's a lot of information out there, no doubt. But is it the right information? Is it from the right people? So here's the thing. Know? It's not just information. So another thing that I'm aware of by my experience and observations at my age, when I was 17, I was green. That's fine. You're allowed to be green at 17. That's when I read Malcolm X. I thought Malcolm X was the black print for who I needed to be. Mm. And he was for a period. But Malcolm X was assassinated at 39. Mm. I'm 48. I don't have the luxury of being as naive as he was to the duration that he was and to continue that forward. So when he realized that black people in America were collectively inadequate mm. in terms of socioeconomics, in terms of representing our interests, based on that 500 year black experiment where we're programmed at a DNA level, mm -hmm. no problem. Caribbean, we're no different, we're no different here. And largely it's the same in Africa who get their education based on that excellent colonial model. So once I realized that, I said, you now don't have the luxury of time. You need to speed up your learning mm -hmm. from every ethnicity in what works and get clarity. One, African people do not want a hero. We like people like porn. New faces, fresh, keep changing, keep changing, mm. keep changing. You get bored, you get confused admiration. Malcolm X was despised by the time he died. He spiritually gave up, otherwise he would have been spiritually protected and could never have been killed. He desired to die. I know that when he was going home to Betty, he, the mouthful he was getting, I have also experienced some mm. similar when you're not making the money based on serving the people. Remember I said, we don't, financially or socially reward our champions. Yeah, but yeah. we look at them and we press like mm. on social media. So I know what he was going through. When I watched the documentary of his death, I watched it by myself. I shed a tear because I knew that he willed to die. Mm. He had made friends with death. I don't. I said, how do you evolve past that? So how we evolve past that is we train those 20 to 30 year old missiles, mm. agile project management, banking, business, public speaking, mm. and um, short form PR writing, so that they're fully rounded visionary leaders. They are visionary leaders. Also programs for operations, which is very different. Mm. And then security, forming cadets with young people, because you have to grow your economics and your security and influence at the same rate. Otherwise your food, and we've seen that happen many times, just based on petty jealousies yeah. of those who run the black experiment. <laughs> so what can we do? Oh, I feel like we probably will need a part two. I feel, I feel like it might be necessary. And the reason I say that's because, um, and I, I mentioned this to you when we first, when I first reached out to you, I think the art of long form conversation and really being able to flush out all the information and ideas and just, you know, your unique, I guess, you know, kind of thought process and a lot of things I find very, very intriguing. I find very motivating. I find very, you know, actionable items that I can go out today, leave this room and be like, okay, you mm -hmm. know, I can relate to what Dean said here. This is how I'm going to take action as a result. So, you know, hopefully the people listening and watching can get a taste of that, get a, a flavor of, you know, kind of your spirit, kind of mm -hmm. your energy, because it's, it's hugely. But I do want to say something. Yeah. 
Take me out of the equation for 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. Forget about me. Because as I said, people like porn, new. Mm -hmm. It's not about me. So what is on adpack.net mm -hmm. in the blog section are a number of initiatives and a number of concepts. Engage with adpack, don't engage with adpack. Deal with blatant plagiarism if it pleases you. Mm. But become active where you can, where you are with what you have and be mm. influenced by that. Doesn't do me anything. I, whenever I create it, I'm not naive enough that this is my intellectual capital. It is my intellectual capital, but it's gone. I created it. Mm -hmm. You know, Jay-Z can make a track and then you're going to tell Jay-Z it's about, oh, okay. <laughs> Picasso paints a picture and then you say, well, it's this and you're explaining to him not even knowing who he is. And, hmm, interesting. <laughs> Take what you like mm. and run with it. My mentor had long since deceased mm. when I read Malcolm X. I took what I needed. Eat the chicken and spit out the bones. Mm. It is not about me, infectious or not. I'm totally irrelevant. So on that point, let me ask you a question as we're closing out. Who are the guys without Google who set up the NHS? Ooh, without Google. <laughs> That's don't look for me for the answer afterwards because <laughs> I don't care. And it doesn't matter. Because if I get hit by a car right now, mm. I can go to a hospital and receive free treatment and I'll sit in the bed for two weeks until I'm healed. It's just function. Mm. That's all I care about. I don't care about my name being remembered. I prefer not to. I prefer to be like George Soros. I just don't have the money. <laughs> Sitting in the background making good trouble. <laughs> Enabling my um, disciples to good, go out into the world. Good trouble. I like that. <laughs> well, I didn't write it. Um, but here I am having to do the work, mm. having to speak, having to still draw delivery partners mm. because I haven't cracked that formula. Mm. And when I do, you're not going to see me here because I can assure you it's not for hubris. I've done this too many times. Mm. It doesn't excite me anymore. Um, I want the result. What this is, me speaking to you on camera, as much as I enjoy your company, mm -hmm. and I'm glad your viewers can get an insight into the intellectual capital and please take what they like. It's like waiting for my dinner. Mm. It's cooking. Um, I prepped it. I seasoned it. I've put it in the oven. And now I just got to sit here with a stupid look on my face or distract myself with TV or rum or whatever else uh, <laughs> is at my disposal. <laughs> but what I desire mm. is my meal. Mm. I go wait because there's no other way. Powerful, powerful. Well, on that note, guys, um, definitely check out AdPack. I think it's one of those. I guess not just not just the the way in which you developed it and and kind of founded it, but like you said, the way in which it can live on, the way in which it can scale, the way in which we can get you know people involved and active in the movement, you know, far beyond you to become uh, owners. Exactly. Um, but, you know, I feel like there's a lot more discussion to be had. There's a lot more um, that we're going to share, obviously, in regards to, you know, Dean and whatever he's got going on. All of the information, both for Adpat, everything Dean's got going on will be in the show notes. Um, so please, you know, just get on board, you know, really take his message um, to heart. You know, I, I've certainly been, you know, quite 
not just influenced, but I think quite, you know, active in my own life and the ways that I go about things. And it's good to see that there's representation out there for me to draw inspiration and some reference from. You know, I think that's important because sometimes it can feel quite lonely. You know? It is lonely, make mm. no mistake. And that is another thing you have to make friends with. And that is why with that Future Leader program, mm. we take on 10 cohorts to make them an alumni. So that as an alumni, mm -hmm. like any alumni, you guys can rely on each other for the rest of your lives and you all have the same GPRS. Yeah, important that. Um, but yeah, you know, guys, as usual, you know, thank you for rocking with us. Thanks for tapping in. Mr. Dino Kai Senior, appreciate you, my brother. Thank you, thank you for blessing the show. Um, and like I said, all the information will be in the show notes. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, um, share wherever you, you listen, um, tap into. Um, and as always, um, make sure that you're part of the community you're joining the movement and as always uh, don't forget to uh, to bring others along um, and until next time peace <laughs>